Hi, and welcome to Conversations to Connect. I'm Fenella Hawksley, and this podcast is brought to you in collaboration with the Campaign to End Loneliness. Social isolation and loneliness are widespread and can have a huge impact on health, happiness and overall well-being. All people of all ages need connections that matter and on this podcast we will be hosting conversations to share insights, knowledge and research to inspire change and to help people feel more connected. On today's episode we are joined by Tansy Dowman, forest bathing guide, outdoor life coach and mindfulness teacher. Tansy helps people reconnect with nature and themselves to live more fulfilling lives. Being close to nature and green spaces has a proven impact on loneliness, depression and anxiety. And in this episode, we're going to be discussing forest bathing, reconnecting with nature and why hugging trees is actually a great idea. Tansy, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Really lovely to be here with you. Thank you. So I really wanted to explore a bit about what is forest bathing for Mm -hmm. those who have never heard of the term before and also how you got into being a forest bathing guide. Okay, so it might be helpful if I begin by perhaps my own journey into it and discovering forest bathing because it definitely wasn't something that I suddenly was like, oh, I want to be a forest bathing guide. Um, It was quite an intuitive process, uh, the way that I discovered forest bathing and connection to nature. And actually, I was going through a very difficult time in my life. I was very, very isolated. um, And I'd moved out of London. I'd had my first child. So I was really going through that initial phase of having a young, my first young child. I was also supporting some family members who were sick. And yeah, I felt very lost. And I was training to become a life coach. That was my intention when I left my career in London. But alongside of that, during that time while I was studying, I had begun to take myself out on walks. I've got a dog, so I would go for uh, dog walks quite often, but realised that things were shifting a little bit and that I was taking the time to slow down and to notice the nature around me and realised that it was having a positive impact on my mental health. It almost became like this thing that I had to go out for these walks and I had to slow down and I was sitting on benches and really noticing the nature around me and it had such a powerful effect on my mind calming all my thoughts so when I eventually became a qualified life coach I thought well actually I could start walking with my clients and from there just taking people out into nature just opened this whole new world for me and then I discovered forest bathing the term forest bathing and I thought like oh my god I should that's what I should be doing that's something that I'm you know already doing really but I was so fascinated by being outside in nature with people and seeing their connection to nature. So in a way it helped you get through feeling disconnected and isolated and now you use it to help other people do the same. Absolutely it became so integral to my life and has had so much meaning and so much importance on my well-being on my sense of self on my sense of connection with other people and with the world it's just felt such a natural path to then take that into my work and guide people and now everything I do is is about even with the life coaching is about being outside with people walking alongside them outside in nature whether it's forest bathing mindful walking life coaching and supporting them on their journey of health and well-being and personal growth. So who is it usually that comes to you needing and looking for a greater connection with nature? 
It really varies because I offer a, a variety of different ways that people can walk with me and work with me. So, for example, on the forest bathing workshops, that's open to all. And that can be people who are curious to discover, people who have an interest in nature and they want to meet like-minded souls, people who really love being in the outdoors and are curious to know more. With the one-to-one work... I get to know obviously a lot more about their journey, a lot more about their story and one of the key aspects of my work I feel is that I support people who feel lost, who feel disconnected from themselves and really unsure of their place in the world and for me the whole metaphor of when we walk into nature I feel like we in some ways we walk home to ourselves we are able to return to ourselves because nature offers us such a beautiful tranquil space to turn down the noise of the human world and really come into connection with ourselves and connection to nature which is obviously so integral to our lives we are nature that's what we forget as humans but unfortunately over the years we've just separated ourselves so far that we're not living in harmony or even in acknowledgement of of nature around us and our importance the importance of being connected to nature so yes I get you know many people coming to me who feel lost people who are struggling with their mental health anxiety depression fatigue loneliness and I want to go on that journey to connect to something bigger and something important and to discover themselves again reconnect with themselves so you mentioned that it's this lack of connection in a way with isolating ourselves from nature and from each other you also mentioned loneliness there and that this reconnection with nature can help people feel less lonely so what have you noticed with clients who have come to you experiencing loneliness and a sense of loss Yeah, um, it's an interesting one because obviously with loneliness, we can't physically measure it. You know, with forest bathing, the practice of forest bathing, we can definitely measure that the heart rate lowers, the blood pressure lowers and the cortisol levels lower. So those things are sort of more scientific measurements. With loneliness, it's it's a process of connection with nature and connection with yourself that brings about, I guess, um... A different perspective I'm not sure if that's how I want to sort of describe it but I mean for me personally I went through something even a couple of years ago where I really struggled with who I was and the feeling of being accepted and fitting in and I suddenly realized there was something about me that oh gosh what are people going to think of me and that obviously can be a, a way for people to feel very lonely and isolated and Nature was such a huge support in me because I felt such a sense of belonging to nature because I have, I guess, really lived with that belief for several years now that I am nature and I'm not separate from nature. And so when I spend time in nature, I do feel a sense of belonging. I feel a sense of safety, security. I feel free to be me. I feel that I don't need to put on any false mask or that nature will meet me and accept me exactly as I am. And so I guess when you go with that intention and you're meeting with other people that also want that experience, they want to connect with nature, they want to feel that there's something more out there to the craziness of the human world, it can grow connection to humans and to nature. And yeah, that sense of belonging, it's pretty powerful and it has been incredible for me. 
And do you see the transformation in people who come to the session? Absolutely. I mean, even in one forest bathing session, just to notice a sense of relief on people's faces, a sense of peace and contentment. It's just a really unique activity the aspect of physically stepping into a place of nature so you're walking away from the fast-paced life um, social media obviously screens noise distractions of the human world and stepping into a place of nature that is so calming and, and tranquil and that gives people the chance to be with themselves in a way that and then feel at ease with being with themselves as well and supported and nurtured by nature it's it's wonderful to see i mean in the beginning of a workshop sometimes you can sense when people's minds are really wanting to hold the reins and that they're probably maybe their mind is going what the heck am i doing what this what is this all about you know um i feel silly or this is you know strange but but gradually just giving space giving time by the end of it they just have this the features the faces softened and they just seem so calmer connected at peace so what does the typical session look like forest bathing is normally about two to three hours a a proper workshop would be two to three hours and a lot of people think wow that's such a long time but the wonderful thing about the practice is that you get lost in that time and actually the time flies quicker most people will say wow I can't believe that was three hours because they're absorbed in the practice so uh, over the course of that three hours you are mindfully walking through nature and connecting with the environment through all of your senses so the term forest bathing of course a lot of people are um, have the misconception that it means physical bathing um, which is not surprising but it means to bathe in the atmosphere um, of of nature so to really invite nature in through all of your senses so I am essentially the guide leading people on a journey through the forest and then I will offer them different ways and exercises and invitations that they can do to deepen that connection with simple exercises you know we call it sit spots where we'll get somebody to sit by a tree and notice things that are moving around them or we may get them to sit and simply listen to all of the different sounds that they can hear so I'm encouraging that tuning into the different senses and the act of physically slowing our pace down has a very powerful effect as well because we all work walk incredibly fast in our lives so it's this whole slowing down noticing uh, connecting with the senses sharing obviously some things although it's optional it can be a very solo experience if you just need peace and quiet but then very connective if you want to share your experience. And we finish with a lovely circle at the end with herbal teas and plant-based snacks and sit and share our reflections on the workshops. So the Campaign to End Loneliness did a study on loneliness in London. And in the study, it showed that people that lived closer to a green space were less likely to suffer from loneliness and other mental health issues such as anxiety and depression. Could you explain a bit about how you think they're linked and why you think this connection to nature is so important in helping people to feel less lonely and less isolated? Yeah, um, I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all of those findings. And I guess if we if we think about really, if we go right back into history, if we think about the evolution of the human species and we think about when we were first first evolved we would have been living 
directly in nature, living in nature, in caves or huts, but directly in nature. And we would have been utilising nature for our every need, but with our own hands and with our knowledge of nature. So our connection, understanding and wisdom of of nature would have been so instinctive like animals living now who are living out in the wild we were like that and of course we think oh but that was so long ago but it actually in terms of our evolution the life that we're now living is so alien and it's so short in comparison to the rest of the time that we have been evolving directly in nature I mean actually One of the biggest jumps, I suppose, that we've taken as humans was the Industrial Revolution, where suddenly there's this big boom and then we're all working longer hours and it became very much about, you know, the the striving, working and, and then people were moving away from their families and building bigger houses. And think now, unless we're being intentional about nature, we're not really spending any time we're living in houses that are highly insulated um, driving in cars going to offices many things that we need we're not foraging for food we're just going to the supermarket or ordering it online and everything is now yeah disconnected from nature so one of the ways I describe it is as humans we're like fish out of water in terms of being plucked out of nature and when you think about that fish that's flapping around it it needs its life force it needs to be put back in the water and I see that the same with humans that we we need to be in natural environments we need to be in those spaces they make us feel calm the physical evidence shows that that scientific research and there is this deep sense that this is our belonging, this is our home, this is where we evolved. Um, and I, I, that is why I believe that people who live closer to nature and closer to green spaces feel that sense. They feel, I mean, I don't know, have you stood and looked at a beautiful view and done that audible sigh where you just go like, ah, oh. you know, when you look across out into the sea or look into the mountains and you just see, or a beautiful woodland and you just go, ah. Oh. And that is a safety sign, a sign of recognition, of reassurance. It's calming. Being around trees, it's calming. And I think that our nervous system can get so dysregulated in a city and you can constantly feel a bit on edge. Like they've even done studies on loneliness in cities versus in the countryside. And people in cities, despite the fact that we live so many more people in a city than in the country, are far more likely to be lonely. We're far more likely to be disconnected. Loneliness in London is the worst in the whole of the UK. And we have that huge disconnect from nature. And and you know what? Somebody might never have lived in... They might not have grown up, like I grew up in a little village, but some people might think, well, I never lived near nature, so why do I need it in my life? But I believe that it's the body that remembers. It's the body that remembers and responds to nature because we are animals we are nature it blows my mind sometimes but then it also just it makes me feel quite sad I guess because we have drifted so far away from nature and I do believe that so much of our feelings of disconnection we may be thinking that our disconnection is something else but I really believe that connection with nature is is such uh, so important for sort of a a foundation of connection to to what it means to be human what it means to be living on this planet um to be part of this massive web of nature and in a way even just feeling part of something greater than yourself contributes as well to that 
feeling of not feeling isolated and alone because you are part of nature yes exactly that's the belonging that I was sort of talking about you know that sense of like I am part of something here Mm -hmm. and when we sometimes when we say oh connecting to a bigger picture I think some people might be afraid that there's a religious or a spiritual Mm -hmm. context and yes you know forest forest bathing can become a spiritual practice but it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. and it certainly doesn't need to have any religion it is connecting to the bigger picture of this planet of this earth you know this fascinating planet that we live on and you suddenly feel like oh yeah actually this is amazing what advice would you give to someone who doesn't live very close to green spaces well I would urge them to have nature in their homes Mm -hmm. because that is still very beneficial as much sort of green energy I call it that you can bring into your homes I mean I was talking a lot about that in lockdown about how we can connect to nature in our homes so having house plants they're very oxygenating and having a living species plant in your home is lovely to nurture even listening to nature sounds that's also been now proven that it helps to support anxiety and depression so you can have birdsong in the background I think as well a lot of people have watched David Attenborough (laughs) documentaries and he's incredible but all of those documentaries around nature watching nature on television has been proven having pictures of nature around your home so there was another study in a hospital where they showed that the people who had either a view of nature so they couldn't actually go outside into nature but they had a view there they healed faster than the people who didn't have a view and of course yes it's nice if you can have a view but if you don't if you have a beautiful picture if you're listening to sounds if you're watching it on the television that's great and then of course thinking about ways that you can perhaps make a trip when you have the time and the resource to do that seeing if you can find local parks local forests woodlands where you can have access to and see if there are any groups I guess as well or walk walking groups things like that so you also mentioned that you have been getting involved with social prescribing not quite yet I mean I'm just learning about it at the moment yeah uh, I'm not actually working at all in social prescribing but I'm really really interested and I'm a massive advocate of it because it's fantastic that now we are just starting to introduce social prescribing on the NHS for those of people who don't know exactly what social prescribing is could you explain it Yes, so, well, they can call it either social prescribing or green prescribing, and it's when you perhaps go to your local GP and you're feeling unwell with your mental health or you're struggling with fatigue or loneliness or depression, anxiety, perhaps, yeah, isolation or things like that. Now they're basically starting to look at your whole life. Instead of perhaps saying, okay, I'm going to prescribe you with a medication, which they may also do, and that's that's great as well, but then looking at the whole picture of your life, you know, about things that you perhaps would help to get you outside, whether it's also looking at nutrition as well and activity, physical activity. And so they can begin to link up with these social prescribing providers who are offering things like walking, connection with nature. I I even saw a pilot scheme about wild swimming. So you could sign up and get a course of wild swimming. Interesting. And uh, singing clubs, you know, crafting, creative clubs, which are all things that really help to create connection, um, especially with your community or local community. So, yeah, I mean, I would love to, but I've got a ways to go yet before Mm -hmm. I can actually be involved. But... The call that I was on 
there was somebody from Kent Wildlife Trust on that call and she showed us an amazing short video of the project that she's rolled out called Wilder Wellbeing and it's a six-week course. Uh, I think it's one or two hours a week where she takes people out into nature and they're looking at the health and well-being and it's been a huge success and actually the main improvement that people reported on was loneliness that that was I think that for quite a long time we have been looking at just treating symptoms Mm -hmm. in healthcare and I think that there's definitely a big movement towards looking at a more holistic approach and the root cause and even I mean loneliness can manifest itself in in illnesses and it can actually lead to depression and and anxiety but rather than like you said just treating that with medication is there a way that we can look at a wider picture and things that might not necessarily take up so much of like the GP's time and the NHS and it could be wild swimming reconnecting with nature forest bathing yeah yeah it's fantastic I mean actually in Japan where they they started forest bathing the term it comes from Japan Uh, the term is actually Shinrin Yoku which directly translates as forest bath and Japan, they started doing this in the 80s and they were prescribing people back in the 80s to actually go and spend time in nature. They set up forest retreats around the country because they knew kind of intuitively, instinctively that nature was good for people's health. And the country, although you've got these massive cities, the rest of the country is just like enveloped or what's the word I'm looking for, draped <laughs> in, in lush forest so they set up these forest retreats and they would prescribe you to go and stay in the retreat and go forest bathing. So, wow. I mean, it's incredible that they were doing that back in the 80s and we're, we're just starting it. But it is really positive to see that that could be a future for people that actually they could have a holistic approach, like you said, to their health. Isn't there a word in Japanese for like the awe or the stillness of nature? When oh, you have so many. I, I, yeah. I think it's like one of those untranslatable words, but it's when you're when you're met with the stillness of nature or the feeling oh, of awe. I know, awe. like there's the Komorebi is the sunlight coming through the trees. They have a wonderful poetic way with their language. So forest bathing originated in Japan? Yes, the term forest bathing does come from the Japanese, but I'm always then really quick to jump in and say, but I wouldn't say that they invented the practice of mm-hmm. what we're doing and it is ultimately a forgotten practice and there are still many communities around the world if we think about indigenous tribes uh, in South America and um, in Australia and places like many places like that all over the world where communities are still practicing living in more alignment with nature and honoring and having reverence for nature and understanding that they are nature as well so being with nature rather than oh I'm just going to go to nature and go for a walk in nature it's like no they they really understand that and and other groups like druids and pagans Mm -hmm. who would have who would really follow the seasons and the cycle and the moon and understand the changing of the energies around that so that's what I always like to stress that it's not some kind of new fad Mm -hmm. like well-being fad yes the Japanese have done an amazing job by giving it an identity of fresh identity and a name that's helping lots of people come to it and now there are forest bathing guides all over the world Mm -hmm. which is incredible but it's definitely yeah it's something more forgotten it's similar to meditation Mm. it's not a new fad it's been around for thousands of years yeah and it's proven yeah similarly to provide feelings of calm yeah connectedness 
Yeah, definitely. And actually, I say to people, if you struggle with standard kinds of meditation, then this practice is amazing because Mm -hmm. it's well it's a mindfulness Mm -hmm. type style of meditation because you're obviously placing your attention onto nature Mm -hmm. and the more you can place your attention onto nature of course the more that helps to calm the mind and the busyness of thoughts there but you're also you're in motion I mean I personally do sometimes struggle with just sitting down on a cushion with my eyes closed and okay I'm just going to sit here for 20 minutes and that can sometimes be quite challenging being a mum and business owner and everything that you know all the things that need to do but whereas when I go into nature and go right 20 minutes I'm going to take a walk slow walk and offer my attention to nature then yeah it's a very similar process to meditation but I feel a lot more perhaps accessible so kind of like a mindful practice where you can go on a walk in nature and spot things in nature so which takes your mind off other things like the busyness and the stress yeah 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 definitely and also it helps you to be present Mm -hmm. because our minds don't want us to be here they want us to either be in the future worrying planning or they want us to be in the past of replaying things and it can be a struggle to stay present to stay here because also we're in the human world we're constantly being distracted by things so when you're placing your attention onto nature you're looking at that tree you're listening to the birds sing all of, all of those things are here they're not in the future or the past so suddenly you're very very present with yourself and very present to the here and now which is really the only moment that we have and that again that is enhancing that sense of connection because you're really present with yourself with your body and with the environment around you Do you think that there's a growing need for social prescribing and reconnection with nature because we have, in a sense, become so disconnected from it in our day-to-day life? Yes, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the research around nature connection, I would say it probably goes back further, but I think in the last 20, 25 years, the, the scientific research is coming through. And, of course, we do now, as a species, we do like to have evidence, don't we? We like facts and figures. We like to back that up. There are tonnes of books out there, tonnes of research papers showing the phenomenal effects of, of nature on our health. And then I think we're just starting to connect the dots a little bit more now. And I suppose, as well, the way that we're moving in terms of the health of the planet that we're having an impact on is also a reminder that wow we're really drifting away from nature we're drifting away from our home we're really in disconnection with the planet because we're not looking after it as well Mm -hmm. as we should be and we aren't we don't have more right to be here than the plants and the animals and everything else so that realization is really coming through on a more collective basis now and people are really starting to return more to more simplified lives you know more sustainable lives and spending more time in nature in green spaces getting away from the hectic noise of the human world you mentioned health impacts of forest bathing so what are the positive health impacts of forest bathing so when the Japanese started forest bathing they didn't immediately have the scientific research they backed up they started it quite intuitively but then it's sort of in the early kind of think 2000s they started to do lots and lots of research behind it and the results that they found were that 
in a two-hour session where you're mindfully walking through nature, you can expect your heart rate, blood pressure and cortisol levels to lower. That was one of the three core things. Now, those, of course, are chemical, physical things, but they're all indicators that we would be in fight or flight in that kind of highly alert state that we'll be in a stress form if we've got high cortisol, blood pressure, heart rate. So when there's a lowering of all of that, on an emotional level, people will report things like feeling at ease, feeling calm, feeling joyful, feeling grateful, feeling content within themselves. Um, people can get quite emotional because suddenly they realise that they're so tightly wound up and they've just given themselves a chance to release. It's like a pressure cooker, you know, releasing that pressure out and they suddenly like, oh, wow. Uh, so there's all these lovely emotions that will come through from that. Another thing that they discovered with forest bathing is that it's incredibly good for your immune system. And this is, again, where we shouldn't actually be surprised by this, but it is fascinating. They've, they discovered that trees emit tiny particles into the air, and they're emitting these particles to essentially protect themselves from the threat of invasion from bacteria or fungal infection or insect so they're kind of sending them out and these little particles are called phytoncides. But what the Japanese realised is that when humans breathe in those phytoncides, and they're completely microscopic, we don't know, but when we're walking through a woodland, you smell those earthy scents, you know, um, especially in a pine forest, they're the most potent in pine forests. When we breathe those in, they increase our natural killer cells, which are the cells that we use to fight off viruses, bugs, colds, things like that. And what was even more fascinating was that they sort of said that not only did they increase, but they stayed, the cells stayed increased for up to a month. So you get this amazing boost to your immune system as well, which is obviously going to help with your resilience against everything that's out there as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like I say, it's one of those things like, wow. But then we think, well, actually, trees give us our breath. Mm -hmm. Is it really insane to think that they would also support our, mm -hmm. our health and immunity as well? And and that's why, sorry, I must say this as well, that, you know, people will go, oh, God, do I have to hug trees? <laughs> you know, it's all that tree-hugging business. And I would never force anybody to hug a tree. But then when I say to them, this tree... Very beneficial <laughs> yeah. to your health. And you maybe don't need to hug it, but let's give some mm -hmm. gratitude and reciprocity mm -hmm. of actually acknowledging all of the hard work that trees do for us in terms of all the pollution that they filter mm -hmm. out in London. You know, they're all these huge London plane trees which are particularly good for pollution. And over time, people who come back to me, they do actually think ah you know what actually I, ca I can be with this tree I can feel a connection here I can even if I'm leaning my back up against it or I'm just sitting snug down with leaning up against the tree I don't necessarily have to hug it but I can feel a real sense of connection and gratitude for being with the, with the trees and all that they give us so I was listening to a podcast that was saying about similarly to what you said with the the properties of the trees emitting um, did you say emitting particles? Yeah, like fighting sides. Mm. So yeah. people who go wild swimming, mm -hmm. that also boosts their immune system. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of plants, bacteria in the rivers, but that can be really good for boosting our immune system. Yeah. Well, if you think about cold water mm. therapy, that people are saying that, you know, cold water is incredibly good for our immune system and mental health. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to we didn't always have hot water yeah. we didn't we would have always washed and bathed in cold water mm -hmm. so 
having hot showers is actually quite alien to the human species mm. in, in you know when we think about our whole timeline of evolution it's only been recently that you know the hot, hot water has become a thing mm-hmm. um there's another thing as well that they found in soil that soil has antidepressant like mm-hmm. qualities about mm-hmm. it and the smell that we get from soil is incredibly um reassuring and comforting for humans it's like you know when it rains mm-hmm. and they get that lovely smell they call it petrichor i think mm-hmm. that smell that we kind of all go oh wow that's a, that's a lovely smell um and that that smell for us when we were living as hunter gatherers that would have helped us to understand actually where water was so it's almost like again, I think that's like oh, that's that sort of sense of um, survival, or you know, we and we don't know that obviously we would never know that fact, but we know that we smell that smell and go like oh, so lovely and earthy and comforting, and then yeah, the antidepressant quality in it as well. So community gardening is another mm-hmm. incredible way for connection and mental health and well-being um, and loneliness as well. Mm-hmm. You know. As you mentioned, we've spent thousands of years evolving to be in nature, to understand nature, mm-hmm. to to thrive in nature. And I guess, yes, recently our current way of living is is disconnecting us from that. Yeah. And so all of these things that we can do, such as being in forest bathing, wild swimming, community gardening, those can kind of bring us back to, in a sense, what it actually meant to be human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. absolutely and actually when you think about it yes the pandemic was very isolating in many ways but because we could only we at that one stage when we had our first lockdown we were only able to go out for that one Mm -hmm. hour a day but many people that was just going out for a walk in nature and since that time activities out in nature have soared so really what can the end of the pandemic yeah i think during that time because our choices were limited weren't they Mm -hmm. what we could do so even when let's say we could meet up in a group of what was it five or six wow (laughs) i can't remember now um and so people were things like kayaking Mm -hmm. and paddle boarding Mm -hmm. because that was safe to do and you didn't have to be close to lots of people or people were going out foraging Mm -hmm. uh, hiking all of these activities yeah anything that was kind of activity in nature has really seen an increase I mean I personally saw have seen an increase of people coming to me since the pandemic um and yeah I think so many people during that time because their choices were limited they were they couldn't do all the things that they would normally have done they went out for that walk during the day and they were like oh actually that was really lovely I feel calm I feel much better for that and people were discovering nature on the doorstep I mean I live in Edenbridge and I know so many of the gorgeous walks that are just around here but there were people that have been living in this town longer than me who didn't know about the amazing fields and the rivers and all the beautiful pathways that you can go down that are around here that are five minutes ten minutes outside of our our house so yeah I think it really has opened people's eyes and, and more and more people are wanting to do activities now outside and connect with nature thank you so much for sharing everything I, there's so many more questions i want to ask you about the impact of nature but we yeah i could as you know i actually probably worked out i could talk about it all day oh no i want to talk to you about it all day <laughs> so we have a tradition on this podcast and we are going to always finish with two questions so the first is when did you last feel lonely yeah i had a, a little think about this and i think being a parent I can feel 
kind of regular small bouts of loneliness, you know, feeling a little bit cut off from people, um, kind of having to, I suppose, making the kids my priority it means that sometimes I, I can't always have my needs met in terms of a connection aspect. And so, and also then when there are things that maybe I don't know, what I, you know, if I'm doing things right, I can feel a sense of loneliness from that. So that's sort of just, I guess, small elements of, of loneliness. But thinking about a time when I felt incredibly lonely would be back in 2021 or end of 2020 to 21 when I was learning things about myself and things that I kind of was put, piecing a puzzle together and I was eventually I was diagnosed with ADHD but in the process of that of the realization of that and the understanding of it and all of the research that I was doing but I wasn't really talking to many people because I was still in that oh my is this is this true is this is this right you know am I making this up what what am I what are people going to think you know what's the reaction going to be and yeah I felt incredibly lonely because I didn't know anybody around me who could understand what I was going through I didn't really know anybody else that had ADHD to be able to go and talk to them and so I felt very isolated for for a time and it took me time then to do research, join some forums, speak to some professionals and, and things like that. It was a sort of a gradual process to then finally getting diagnosed and now going on that, I'm very, very confident and, and, and happy that I've had the diagnosis. But that time, I would say, was a real feeling of being lonely and scared and worried and isolated so and what did you do to feel more connected and kind of on that what advice would you give to help someone if they were experiencing that feel more connected yeah I mean I had to use a lot of courage to reach out to people to be honest with friends family tell them what was going on that fear of rejection was you know or fear of being I don't know like gaslit maybe you know that I wouldn't be believed so that was a real fear thing but I had to place my trust in that and definitely nature helped me with that because I was you know like I said that sense of belonging and knowing who I was I I, I did feel that but so speaking to friends and family and getting advice and support from medical professionals and then I, I joined some online forums um, and it was incredible. I felt like I had found my people. I felt so, uh, such a connection, even though I've never met on this particular group that I'm on. I've never met any of the people there, but I, we just, I feel such a connection with them. I feel such an alliance and such a, uh, a recognition and a safety in that group to be connected and to share and to be open and honest. Um, and I, I think, you know, it would be lovely if there were in-person groups, but sometimes, of course, you know, social media groups and forums are, are fantastic support as well. But I, I, of course, would also like to acknowledge that if someone is in that phrase of just feeling very frightened that sometimes that just feels all feels way too huge so I would always advocate taking time being kind and compassionate to yourself and trusting that perhaps something will come along in terms of connection or that there will be an avenue of connection that will open up at some point 
Well, thank you so much. It's been a very, very interesting conversation. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs>